0: And this morning, there's been a song that has just been running through my head all day. And so uh, some of you may know it. If you do sing along, if some of you, if you don't know it, uh, hum and act like you do. <clears throat> I'm, I'm kidding. But the, the song simply says this. It says, Jesus, 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 Jesus. oh, there's something. About that name. Mm -hmm. He's the master, my savior. Jesus, like the fragrance after the rain. Jesus, 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 let all. Shall all pass away. But there's something about that name. Sing kings and kingdoms. Kings and kingdoms. Shall all pass away. But there's something about that name. Jesus, I thank you for being you. And I thank you for being here right now. What we're talking about and what we're speaking about in this series, Scars, Lord, it touches us on a deep level. We're not dealing with surface stuff. And it interacts our life with your word in a very real way. We need you to do what only you can do. Your name is above every other name. Your authority, there is no authority outside of you. And so today, mighty God, I pray that you would open up our minds to receive and our hearts to respond to your word. I'm asking you, Jesus, to do what only you can do. It will not be the eloquence of my words. It will be the moving of your Holy Spirit that does a work in people's lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In this series, Scars, we're looking at how to deal with the marks that life leaves on us. And if you're a note-taker and your service guide is an opportunity to take some notes, and I encourage you to do so. When we talk about scars, we're talking about something that the Apostle Paul knew much about. He understood the concept of scars, and in fact, in the book of Galatians, he's defending his apostolic authority he's uh, People are questioning whether or not he really is believes what he says he believes and is doing what he says he is doing and and they're they're questioning his authenticity his motivations different things and and he is he is responding to them and he responds in verse number 15 he says it doesn't matter whether we've been circumcised or not so he says the parentage that you come from the spiritual heritage that you have your parents specifically These things don't matter in light of the eternal things that do matter. Now, he wasn't saying that our histories don't matter or that we shouldn't uh, pay attention to who our parents were. Because that would go directly against children, obey your parents or honor your father and mother. And so he's not invalidating the word of God. He's just simply saying the thing that matters eternally is whether or not you've been transformed into a new creation, what your relationship is with Jesus Christ, that's what really matters. And in fact, he begins to pray. He says, may God's peace and mercy be upon all those who live by this principle. They are the new people of God. So be assured today that what your name is and who you are and what you have and where you live and and what you've accumulated in life and what your heritage may be, those things will not be the things that determine your next steps and definitely not your eternity. It will be whether or not you've been transformed into a new creation. And he says the people that live according to that rule, to that law, to that understanding, they are and they will be the new people of God. Then he says from now on don't let anyone trouble me with these things don't keep questioning me about these things why not paul for i bear or because i bear on my body the scars that i sh- that show i belong to jesus you see sometimes people won't accept you for who you are or what you bring to the table They will question you, they will question your character, they will question your motives, but Paul is saying here, the validity of my claims are validated by my scars. I have suffered and been scarred for what I believe, what I teach, who I am in Christ. The scars on my body testify to my allegiance. In fact, another way you could say this is Paul was saying, my scars tell my story. The scars of your life will often tell your story. Paul had been beaten, he'd been shipwrecked, he'd been abandoned, he'd been whipped, he'd been lied about. All of these things affected him. And while I, I tend to think, I don't know, we don't have photographic records of, I tend to think that his body was probably a roadmap of scars. But I wonder how many scars Paul dealt with that couldn't be seen. The external scars were external proof, but the internal scars were just as real. Whether you're a Christian here today or not a Christian, what you've been through in life matters. And no one is useless. No experience of life should be wasted. But as we're Christians, if you're a Christian today, you know that God will not waste your situation. He will not waste your hurt or your pain. He will, he will use it for his glory. He will use it for good in the end. But sometimes when you're, when you're walking through it, when you're dealing with it, it's hard to see the value. Hard to see the value of what you're walking through. At McCord Road, we say that this is a no shame zone. That you shouldn't be ashamed of what you've been through, what you've walked through. And and we want this to be a place where people can be open and real and authentic in their life, no matter their hurts, no matter their pains, no matter their situations or their circumstances, because all of us have been through junk in life. In fact, I would say that if, if I was to say that, that, that next week we were going to show on the video screens, we were going to un- uncover every rock in your life and, and remove all the, the, you know, the, the blinds and the blockers from your life, and we were just going to depict your real life on the screens, I wonder how many of us would actually show up for church next Sunday. I'm not sure I'd show up and I'm scheduled to speak because none of us want everything revealed to everybody we've all been marked by stuff it's not easy to live through it and it's certainly not always easy to see the value and today i want to talk to the walking wounded you're wounded but you're still moving you're still functioning that's kind of the The tragic reality of the walking wounded. In fact, Dr. David Markinson, he wrote the the book Principles of, of Mass Casualty and Disaster Medicine. And he said, in a mass casualty situation, the walking wounded make up the majority of those that are wounded. But they're often tasked with helping care for those who have been wounded more than they and so their wounds are overlooked and they're weighted, they're a very low priority in the circumstance. And, and we can understand that, we can we rationally get that, but what it causes is it causes people to be walking around with wounds that aren't treated, and, and, and only because they are still functioning, like the functional alcoholic, or the functional drug addict, or the person that's dealing with mental disorders and, and, and struggles that is still functioning. They get up every day they go to work every day they they uh, raise their kids they're they're doing all that they can do to stay afloat and stay level and stay stable And, and they're they're functioning but they're wounded sometimes they even themselves do not see the wound and they don't treat the wound they just try to keep treating the symptoms of the wound and the wound remains overlooked And you might ask, well, why are you talking about wounds today? Isn't this series about scars? And here's our big idea. If you're a note taker, write this down in your notes. The big idea is before there are scars, there are wounds. Everyone is wounded at some time and in some way. doesn't matter your age. We've been wounded. The origin of our life? And the destination of our life does not really matter. Wounds occur. And there's flawed thinking in our world that says, well, if I, if I was in different circumstances, I would avoid wounds. I'd avoid wounds. But can I tell you that wounded people are in every demographic? The bandages may be different. When I was in high school, I drove the church van. My dad was the pastor, and I drove the church van, and we picked up people who uh, didn't have cars to come to church, and I'd pick them up for Sunday morning, I'd pick them up for Sunday night, and I'd pick them up for Wednesday night uh, service. And what I got out of the deal was I was able to use the church van. It was a 15-passenger van, and it had the biggest letters on God's earth across the sides of the van that said, New Life Tabernacle Church. And I got to use that, you know, to and from school and then, you know, around town because if, you know, that was, the, that was the deal. So one day I went to school and a friend of mine, his name was Brett. We, because of our names, we sat near each other uh, often in school and in classes. And so one day he comes into sc- the class and he's obviously very upset and distraught. And I said to him, Brett, what's, what's going on? Um, <clears throat> and he said, I said, what's wrong, man? He said, uh, I'm so angry with my dad. I just don't get my dad. And I was like, okay, what's going on? I mean, this is deep stuff. Dad issues are big, and, and you know, you've got some dad issues here. So what, what's going on? He said, I, you won't believe it. He said, I have a date tonight. Well, that sounds bad. I can get it. That's tough. <laughs> he said, I've got a date tonight, and, and my dad won't let me drive the new Saab. I'm starting to feel his pain now. So I asked the obvious question. I said, all right, well, um, you know, is there, is there something else available that, you, that you'll be able to, you know, go to your date in? And he said, yeah, I can use my mom's Beamer. Hmm. His dad was a corporate attorney up in the Boston area. His mom ran a hospital on the Cape, and uh, and so they, you know, they they were strong. But but I but I, I, I could sense his anguish, and so I said, "Well, how old's the Beamer? I mean, this this could be a real junker. I don't know, you know." And he said, "Oh, it, it's it's probably a year old now." Hmm. I said, Brett. Do you want to know what I went on my last date in? (laughs) Did I mention a 15 passenger van with biggest letters you ever saw that said New Life Tabernacle Church? My parents were really concerned about me staying holy and so they made sure I drove a billboard around town. (laughs) Everybody knew who I was and what I was doing. And here's the reality, we can say their circumstance is different, so their pain must not be real, but the fact is the pain is real. The bandages may be different, but the pain, the wound is the same. I think about the traveler and the story of the parable of the Good Samaritan. The traveler is is going from Jerusalem to Jericho. We don't even really know why he's going, but he's going and, 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 and he, he's just walking along in his day and suddenly he finds himself accosted by muggers and he's left on the side uh, of the road for dead. His wounds, he's stripped naked. His wounds are are visible to everybody. Everybody can see him laying there and, and, and he's wounded and he's hurt and and. It doesn't matter what his situation was. It doesn't matter what demographic of people he may be in. The wound still hurts. The wound is still there. And and he's still laid on the side of the road for dead. Many of us can point to moments when we were wounded. Abuse occurred. Something broke within us. Decisions were made. Not every type of abuse and not every type of wound is caused by others. Sometimes we're wounded by our own decisions. And something needs to be fixed. Something is hurting. Sometimes others see your pain. But more often than not, we suffer alone. And I want to give us three thoughts today. And thought number one is this, that wounds hurt. You might say, well, that's the most obvious statement I've ever heard in my life. And it is pretty obvious, but we have hurt in our life because there's brokenness in our life. The skin is broken. The physical hurt of a wound, there's the emotions that are broken. As people let us down or situations don't turn out the way we thought that they would or maybe there's a, a spirit that is broken and now we won't even try like we used to try. We don't push like we used to push because we just don't think anything good can happen to us now. And brokenness has its consequences. When we're broken, when there's a wound in a particular place, it augments our behavior, it changes our expectations, and now now we we, we used to be the, the kind of person that stepped out and, and gave it a shot, but now we're we're hesitant because we've been wounded. We used to commit to things, but now we're we, we fear commitment because we've been wounded. We used to jump in with everything we have, but mm, Now we hold back because we've been wounded. And if you're saying today, well, I don't don't think I'm wounded. I don't don't think I have any wounds in my life that need to be healed. Then I would ask you to identify your greatest area of sensitivity. And you will find your wound. Because broken places are sensitive. The wounded become hypersensitized. Ever seen somebody that's, that's wounded? You just look at them and they're like... They they guard themselves. They protect themselves. I, I get uh, blood drawn periodically, and, and 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 I'm not afraid of needles. I don't I don't have a problem with them you know drawing the blood and and everything but even even though I I'm accustomed to it and even though it happens fairly regularly I, I put my arm out there and they put the little rubber band around me and, and and I feel pretty good about it all and then I see that little needle and it's a little bitty tiny needle just a little bit tiny one and, and and I see it's coming to me and I'm, I'm looking at it and I, and I know I know I'm gonna live I, I'm gonna be okay through this and still I go and prepare myself for that little prick of pain that will be there because we're we're sensitized in the places of our wounds to where any touch will provoke a response the hurt results in the wounded becoming guarded and not wanting to be touched and so it results in us often hiding or camouflaging the wounds of our life we're we're proud so we don't want people to know that we've been wounded. If they think I'm wounded, they won't think so highly of me. If they think I've got a problem in my life, they might think less of me. And so pride camouflages wounds. Or maybe it's because we're afraid. If they know I'm wounded, they'll take advantage of me. And so I camouflage my wounds. I don't, I don't let anybody know. Have you ever noticed that people that are the most broken are often the most brash? They're loud and they 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 are out there and they're bold, but when you really nail it down, they're really hurting, and it's their defense. It's their camouflage over the hurt of their life. Maybe you're ashamed, so you don't want it to be judged while you're wounded. You don't want anybody to know because you don't want them to look at you differently or or judge you, especially if the wound is a result of your own decision. But sometimes the wounds are too difficult, too too severe to camouflage. The Good Samaritan, the story, the the, the traveler's laying on the side of the road and he's he's wounded and he's left for dead. He's he's naked. He can't cover himself. He can't help himself. And, And there are wounds that you may have in life that you cannot fix on your own. But as he lays there, Can you imagine the increase of pain as one after another people walk by and they view his wound? They see his condition. They recognize his problem. And then they turn their face away and walk away from him doing nothing. Suddenly, the external wounds are matched with internal wounds. Wounds that can't be seen, and that brings us to thought number two, that wounds hide. Wounds hurt and wounds hide. While some wounds can't be camouflaged, not all wounds are visible. I think about the, the hidden wounds of Scripture. You have the hidden physical wound that Bible talks about in Mark chapter 5, the woman with the issue of blood. She, she's bleeding For 12 years, the doctors have looked at her, they've examined her, they've tried to fix her and help her, but nothing's working to the best of our medical knowledge today. She probably had a fibroid tumor of the uterus, but in those days, there was no x-rays or CAT scans or MRIs, any ability to see within her, and so she has a a physical wound that is hidden from view, and it causes her 12 years of torture and pain until she meets Jesus. How about the hidden emotional wounds? I think about the woman at the well. Jesus is, is sitting there at the well and the woman comes during a time when she shouldn't have been there. It's not the normal time to draw water, but uh, apparently it seems she's avoiding the people of the town. And, and she comes to Jesus and, and she's, he says to her, hey, uh, they, they start the conversation and he reveals who he is to her. And it's, it's a pretty co- great story. But, but she, he says to, to the woman, he says, hey, go get your husband. And she says, hey, you know, I don't even ha- I don't have a husband. And he says, I know you've had five husbands and the man you're with right now isn't your husband. And she goes, oh, I think you might be a prophet. But I wonder what the hidden wounds were in her life. Where five husbands put her out. Five husbands rejected her. Five, five husbands said, I don't want to be known as your husband or you my wife any longer out of the house what kind of what kind of woundedness does that cause and you might say well wait a minute uh, how do we know she didn't leave those five guys she might have been a, a strong empowered woman and so she she left them they didn't cast her out well number one in that day and age i don't think that was likely very unlikely but let's say it was true what kind of wounds are in a person who moves from one relationship to another, all five of them, obviously seeking love, obviously seeking companionship, obviously seeking what a relationship can build and bring, so much so that after five of them didn't work, she's still with another man. What kind of emotional wounds are there? I think about the hidden psychological wounds. And the woman who washes the feet of Jesus with her hair comes to mind. The Bible describes her as an immoral woman. And to our best knowledge and best guess, she was probably a prostitute. And while there have been some people in this world throughout history that have chosen that profession as an opportunity to bring uh, resources into their life, most people that go into that area, and realm of living are not there because that's their first choice. There's a woundedness that has driven them to this place where otherwise they would have stayed away from. How many wounds were hidden within her? Some of you today are dealing with the ramifications of unseen wounds. You were abused in life. Some of you have been abused mentally. Some of you have been abused physically. Some of you have been abused emotionally. Some of you have been abused spiritually. Some of you have been abused sexually. And it, it, you're, you're living out the ramifications of woundedness. The wounds can't be seen. But the hurt is very, very real. Some of you have been betrayed by those you trusted. And betrayal has caused wounds. know you, you can't say, well, see, right there, that's, that's where they got me. You can't point to it, but it exists. The hurt is there, and, and your sensitivity lets us know it's there. How about abandonment? People have been abandoned by those they loved, those they needed, those they trusted, those they d- relied upon. Suddenly, they just weren't there anymore. No, there's not a mark on the skin, but the mark on the heart is very real. That brings me to thought number three. Wounds hurt, wounds hide, and wounds heal. That's the good news today. The wounds you have are real, but they can heal a few weeks ago on Easter Sunday we celebrated the resurrection of Jesus Christ and 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 I'm so thankful that he got up from the grave but before he rose again he was wounded Isaiah chapter 53 verse number five says but he was wounded for our transgressions he was bruised for our iniquities the chastisement of our peace was upon him and by his stripes we are healed And when you read that verse, it's really letting us know that Jesus experienced every kind of wounding you and I can experience. When it says wounded, it's giving us the understanding, the connotation of a physical wound. Pierced hands, pierced feet, pierced side, crown of thorns on a cross. When it says bruised, it's giving us an understanding of an internal and an outward crushing and suffering. He was crushed internally. When it says that the chastisement of our peace was upon him, that means the punishment that results in our peace was on him. You see, we were the ones that were guilty. We were the ones that should have paid the price, but Jesus said, I'm going to pay the price for you. So as he hung there on the cross, the the weight of sin and the guilt of sin came upon him. And the, the presence of the father apparently was removed from him because for the first and only time, Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you far from me, father? a wounding and then it says by his stripes we are present tense healed external wound jesus was bruised he was whipped he was crucified and he all he went through all of that so that we can be spiritually mentally emotionally healed physically healed you can be whole in your life because of what Jesus did on Calvary. I think there's something interesting in scripture that I can't say I've seen before recently. In 1 Peter chapter 2, Peter is writing about Christ's authority and look at what he writes. As we read this, keep in mind that this is after Jesus rose from the grave and ascended into heaven. He writes, he personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. Then he says, by his wounds, you are healed. Wounds, present tense, you are, present tense, healed. He's talking about a risen and ascended Savior sitting at the right hand of the Father and yet he says, by his wounds you are healed. And then notice the accounts of Jesus appearing after his resurrection. He's speaking to his disciples and the Bible says in John 20, 20 that he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side. Dropping down to verse 27, he says to Thomas, the doubter, the one who says, I don't know unless I see him. He says, put your finger here and look at my hands. Put your hand into the wound in my side. And I have to admit that when I have thought about a risen Savior, I have not thought about a risen Savior who has remained wounded. I've thought about a risen Savior as a whole, because a whole, with a whole body, because I mean, if he got up from the grave, certainly the nail prints and, and certainly the, the pierced side would be healed and gone, and he would be a complete and a whole Savior. But after the resurrection, he still has a wound enough to where Thomas can put his hand into his side. He still has wounds enough to where the disciples can view it and see what's going on in his life. And when I read this thinking about scars, I thought, a scar is a wound that has healed. And I can't explain every part of this. But if the wounds of Jesus were accessible after his resurrection, then they remained at his ascension. He was already in what theologically would be called a glorified body. He was already in the body that would rise to heaven. And here's what I think comes out of all of this, simply put. Jesus was wounded so we could move from wounds to scars. He has eternal wounds in order for us to be healed in our life. His wounds allow our wounds to heal. But unless our wounds are exposed to the right people or in the right place, then those wounds will fester and they will spread. Because here's the reality of life. Wounded people wound people. The guy who's the bully on the playground then. Begins to beat up the other kids around him. Oftentimes is a very, very, very wounded person. My encouragement to us today is don't be defined by your wounds. Let your scars tell your story. Scars are wounds that have healed. And today there is healing in this house because jesus is in this house and i'm going to ask everybody to bow your heads and close your eyes with me prayer partners i'm going to ask you to make your way to the front and to the back of the sanctuary so there will be people in the front and in the back of this sanctuary and we're going to close a little different than we normally do in that we're going to keep our heads bowed and eyes closed and i'm going to ask you to identify the wounds in your life and expose those wounds to Jesus if you would like to pray with somebody the reason why the prayer partners are ready is so that if you want to pray with somebody you can just slip out of your chair and go to the front or the back of the sanctuary and there's someone there who will meet you you do not have to tell them what you're praying about but if you want to pray with somebody we are ready we are prepared to pray with you But for the next few minutes, as the praise and worship team begins to sing and play this song, I'm going to ask you just to remain seated and bring your wounds before Jesus and allow his word to be faithful. Allow his wounds to heal your wounds and move from wounded to scarred in Jesus' name.